Nashville Predators go to overtime against the Vancouver Canucks, but can't beat Vancouver. But still, should we be happy about how the Predators played, given the context of the team? Plus, Luke Evangelista scores his first career goal and then his second career goal. More on that, plus the one new Predator whose performance has blown us away the past couple of games. Talk about it today on the Locked On Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Predators your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at onthefourcheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I'm Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at insidethepreds.com. Uh, mornings like this morning remind me of why I hate being in the Western Conference. Yes, it's brutal. This is yeah. brutal. And we didn't even actually technically play the game, but this is rough. Yeah, uh, it's it's bad for Central. It's worse when you're like me and live in the Eastern time zone. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. puck drop doesn't start till after your normal bedtime. Yeah. So not great. Not great. No. Uh, So the reason the Predators were up so late is because they were in Vancouver, British Columbia, Anne, uh, which is in the west coast of Canada. There's a there's a whole off the off the record geography question earlier today. Uh, But I digress. Hey, the Predators played the Canucks uh, back and forth in the first period. Elias Pedersen scored for the Canucks. Colton Sissons tied it up almost immediately for the Preds. Uh, Canucks made it two to one, then three to one in the third period. And then it was time for Evangelista to cook, scored his first NHL goal off a juicy rebound. And then a tip in a goal scores goal right towards the end of the third period to tie the game. And then in the shootout, Elias Pedersen scored the only goal for the Canucks with the last shot. Canucks win it in the shootout 4-3. Predators get a point. And your one word to describe last night's game. This is kind of an interesting game to describe because you would think it would evoke certain emotions, but it kind of evoked other emotions. So as I was pondering, like, what is my one word to describe this game? I just kept coming back to, and I think I've used this one word before, so forgive me, but it just fits. I keep coming back to this Northwestern Pennsylvania saying, and maybe it, you know, geographically expands larger than that, not to British Columbia, of course. Yeah, but yeah. Or, or Manitoba. Either way, it's not that far. But um, when somebody asks you how you are in Northwestern Pennsylvania, a very common reply is the term fair to Midland. And that was kind of what this game was to me, because you think, okay, the Nashville Predators lost to the Vancouver Canucks. Agony, frustration. How could they? What in the world? Um, But honestly, it was just fair to Midland for me. 
like I did not feel overwhelmed with angst. I was not in any way necessarily delighted by not getting two points, but the predators got a point. We saw some things that we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this episode that are worth some discussion. So for me, this game was fair to Midland. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, For me, my one word is life of Brian. I'm thinking about the old Monty Python movie uh, with Jesus's next door neighbor, Brian, if you remember that. No. <laughs> oh, well, it's it's most famous because of the scene at the end. Uh, Brian is on the cross with a bunch of other people. You know, he's been doomed. And uh, the Eric Idle, his character starts singing about, hey, it's not all bad. There's a lot of good things. And he starts <laughs> singing the classic song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Oh, do-do, yeah, come on. Do-do, 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 which is probably the most famous scene from that movie, the one that I think transcends a lot of stuff. Uh, and for me, that's kind of how I felt. The Predators lost uh there's times where they didn't look particularly great but at the same time you know you're at the stage in which you're looking for some good things and we saw some good things you know luke evangelista we'll talk about him in a second two goals for him we saw stellar performances from other young players we saw some of the new people like tyson berry we'll talk about him with another really good game and you're just seeing kind of bright spots and it feels good that in like you said two you know two months ago the predators go down three to one against the vancouver canucks and have to claw their way back to even getting a point and we're like what is what's wrong with this team this team can't compete blah, 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 blah. This sucks. Now we're at the stage in which, you know, given the circumstances of this team, you're kind of like, all right, they came back and got a point. Not bad. Yeah, I would agree. It was a different viewing experience, not based necessarily on outcome or performance. But for me, the thing that I liked the most about this game is that the Predators stayed in this game. And you and I have talked about it this season. One of the things that really was concerning to us is that for a number of games, the Predators, when they went down, they looked like somebody absolutely punched them in the mouth. And they staggered and struggled to get back to it. And the Predators never led in regulation. Well, they actually never led. But anyway... You know, but they never looked like they got punched in the mouth. Like they just continued to grind, continued to go to work. And, you know, whether that is the younger players who are out there hungry, trying to prove something, whether there's more pressure now, less pressure now on the veterans, I don't know. But it had a different feel to it where you never felt like, oh, the Predators are kind of emotionally collapsing in on themselves. They didn't get punched in the mouth. They just kept churning this game out. And I think that's something that we've missed seeing consistently earlier in this season. I like that kind of hockey. I do too. And it, it feels better because you don't have to kind of microanalyze it. You can almost kind of sit back and watch the game and just cheer the game. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is just because there is absolutely no pressure or expectations with this Nashville Predators team right now. And we'll talk about that in a second because I feel like maybe the narrative around what the Predators should do, like what people would want to see, has kind of changed a little bit with some of these moves, some of these injuries and the players in the lineup right now. And that's an interesting conversation I want to get to in just a second. But first, let's take a break and mention today's show is sponsored by FanDuel. It's not just NHL happening right now. It's the midway point of the NBA season, which means it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And that's because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if you're a bet. If your first bet doesn't win, all you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is safe, secure, super easy to use. And then you can bet on anything from the money line to point scores and exclusive bets like the two by three, which is two three pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Ann, what stood out for you in this game last night? Because it felt like we were kind of on the cusp of an interesting conversation about expectations with this team now. For me, going into the game, and and I talked about sort of the emotion of watching this game, but going into the game, there has been such a giant reset for the Nashville Predators franchise through this trade deadline. Huge reset. For so many seasons, really since the Stanley Cup run in 2017, there has been this cloud of expectation that we're going to tinker with the core and we're going to get back to being a deep playoff run team. And that hasn't happened and that hasn't happened and that hasn't happened. But I think emotionally fans kind of got to the point where where that was was not fun hockey to watch because the expectations were pretty high and the Predators weren't hitting it. Watching these last couple of games post-trade deadline has been back to being enjoyable hockey because expectations right now are very different for the Predators. Now, where people want the Predators to go post-trade deadline is a whole other conversation that we'll probably want to dip our toes into. But as far as watching this Vancouver game last night, you know, you previously you go into a Vancouver game and you're like, you guys have got to win this game. You guys have got to get two points in this game. There is no excuse for not beating the Vancouver Canucks. And let's face it, the Nashville Predators didn't always win those games. So it's just a more relaxed viewing experience for us. But I don't think the intensity for the players, for the team has dropped at all. Like I I like what we're seeing. Yeah, like I love what we're seeing from this team. I love seeing the hunger. I love seeing it's almost like they can exhale and play hockey again because the expectations are off in in a lot of ways. And they're playing more free. They're playing more just flowing hockey where they're not overthinking it and paralyzed by, you know, expectation or I've got to make this amazing play. It's just – 
enjoyable hockey. Yeah. It, and it's funny, Anne, because everybody is talking about, you know, the Preds are in a rebuild now. Look at all the people they've traded away, uh, this and that. Reminder, there's 21 games left to play, and the Predators are five points out of a playoff spot. Yeah. And uh, over the past, they're 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. So it's not like they're just spinning their tires and just kind of trying to tread water to the end of the season. They're playing all right right now, and they're getting wins. And that also brings up the question, because I think a lot of people are like, hell yes, we're tanking now. Come on, Connor Bedard, let's get into the sweet (laughs) state. And at this point, we might be closer to, is this hodgepodge team where everybody has either been injured or traded, and it's basically the Milwaukee Admirals at this point, are the Milwaukee Admirals going to make a Stanley Cup playoff run? It feels like we're closer to that. And at that point, you know, hell, why not? Like because, because isn't that, you know, what the goal is? Like, isn't that a good thing if you have all these young players like Evangelista, like Cody Glass, like Phil Tomasino, who unfortunately didn't play last night due to an upper body injury, but all these young players with no expectations, it's like, wouldn't you want them to kind of be the catalyst for just a random playoff run? Even if we get bounced in the first round again, like yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't you love seeing all these young players step up and lead some unbelievable charge in the second half of the season? One would think that that would be the consensus. And that's where I'm at. You know what? There is no reason to halt this, to slow this down, to embrace the whole tank hard for Bedard thing for a couple of reasons. I have a beef with that for a couple of reasons. First of all, I just have an existential beef with tanking. I just, I just think it sucks. Um, But also where the predators are, like you said, you know what? They're not completely out of this. Why would you not want to push these players, these younger players, this fresh looking roster and see what they've got? How different would it feel right now for the Nashville Predators to make it into the playoffs on a wild card? And even like you said, if they get bounced in the first round, that feels completely different than that same scenario would have felt two weeks ago. I'm here for this, you know, and the people who are saying, you know what, let's, let's just not, you know, let's get, let's try to get a higher, you know, draft, you know, let's try to maybe not push to get into the playoffs. It's a little bit better. It's more advantageous long-term for the predators to not be good right now. Like you are the people who rewash your Ziploc bags. That's who you are. And people don't want to hang out with you. Like, why would you, it makes no sense to me. Why, why would you want that? To me, you know, it it screams of 2008, uh, where the Predators were picked basically dead last in the entire NHL. They had the ownership strife. So, you know, they're basically every franchise player from Paul Correa to Tomas Fokun to Kimo Tiemann, Scott Hartnell, all of those guys were gone and what you had left was one or two veterans namely jason arnett and jp dumont and then basically the milwaukee admirals which (laughs) at that time were shea weber 
Yeah. Ryan Suter. Uh, Dan Hamhuis was kind of a veteran at that point, but basically that was Alexander Radiloff, the year he really kind of stood up and, and became an everyday player. But the point is you had all of these young players who wound up taking a next step. They wound up willing themselves into the playoffs, played a absolutely monster series against the Detroit Red, Red Wings who wound up winning the cup that year. And I am hard pressed to say that didn't help the development of those guys because, you know, you gave Shea Weber and you gave Ryan Suter and some of these other players playoff experience. You gave them more chances to grow on a bigger stage and I think that helps. I really do. I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of scoff at, at that whole notion of, uh, you know, intangibles and playoff hockey and blah, 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 blah. I think it helps to have that experience, to be able to be in that kind of environment. I yes. really do think it, call me old school, but I really do think that helps a player's development. And if you're able, you know, to have this team, who right now are being carried by most, most of the young guys. True. And they gallivant their way into the postseason. I think there's no downside to that. And at this point, you know, you look at the standings, you would have to tank hard <laughs> at this point to yes. maybe get a shot. I mean, I would say like looking at the standings realistically, uh, seventh or eighth best shot at the lottery is probably best case scenario for the Nashville Predators. And at that point, like, is that worth it? Right. Like, is that's like, those are, those are long odds to get Connor Bedard. So at this point, it's like, I would rather just sit back and enjoy the ride and see where this goes. And hell, if, if we get in the playoffs, awesome. We get in the playoffs. If we don't, if we miss it, Oh, well, because the expectation was to miss it anyway. Yes, I agree. And what was one of the reasons that David Poyle spoke so highly of bringing in Ryan Patrick McDonough? Playoff experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, the man has been there and done that. Why would you not want to get Yuso Parsonen and Cody Glass and Luke Evangelista that under their belt? Look, do we think that this team is going to make a deep cup run? No, I don't. But if you can get them in the playoffs and just get that experience under their belt, that is so beneficial. And keep in mind, you have a Nashville Predators team who have so many draft picks. So if they really wanted to bump up or if they wanted to you know, do something come draft time, they have a lot to work with as far as currency. Why would you want to halt the development of this team hoping to get a higher draft pick and then say, oh, but it's long term. You want to look at the long term development of the team. I just think that's hubris because, again, drafting is not science. I mean, is Connor Bedard going to be amazing? I think we can say Connor Bedard is is a generational talent and and barring injury or whatever, he's going to be really great. But this is a deep draft. And you got to be really careful acting like there's only one guy who's going to do it. The Predators got Joachim Kimmel 17th last yeah. season. You know, like, let this team roll, get behind it, and stop acting like they need to, you know, not try so hard to try to land a better shot at Connor Bedard. I just think that that's it, – it's – 
you have too many moving parts for that to even be worth doing. Well, it's also there's a conversation where it's like the Preds aren't going to be good until they, you know, suck hard enough to get that franchise player, which is, you know, somebody in the top five. Uh, I regret to inform you, there's two top five forwards, one drafted third overall, one drafted fourth overall that's on this Predators roster right now. And for good measure, there's a guy drafted six overall on this team right now. And that didn't work. Meanwhile, look at some of the players around the league that are like franchise players, like David Pasternak, uh, like Claude Giroux back in his prime in Philadelphia, Nikita Kucherov. Those are all guys either drafted later in the first round or later in the draft. You don't have to necessarily be if it's, it's not like a case when you're out of the top five, you're going to get a good player. But it's it's not a case of oh, crap we're we're in the top five. We're not going to get anybody good this year. There are franchise changing players all throughout the draft. You just have to be smart enough to scout and go find them and go develop them. That's right. That's right. That I think is what people miss uh, when they talk about some of this context. Uh, Other stuff from this game, including uh, big performance by Luke Evangelista and a player I think we need to highlight a little bit, Anne. Yes, I am here for that. First, though, want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Nick and my great friends at Athletic Greens. If you've listened to the podcast, you know we are huge fans of Athletic Greens. Um, We got started on it because, you know what, they sent us a sample to try, and it has been a hit in both of our lives since then. You know, if you're looking for something that's going to give you better gut health, more energy, kind of help boost your immune system, and you hate the hassle of going out and buying all the different bottles of vitamins and pills, and you want something that's actually going to taste great and be easy to use, you need to check out Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're going to absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This blend of ingredients is going to support things like gut health, your nervous system, your immune system. You're going to notice a change in your energy as the day goes by. It's going to help with recovery, and it's going to help with focus does all of those things. AG1 is a simple micro habit that's going to make a big difference in your day. Get up in the morning, mix up and drink your AG1, and you are ready to go. And here's the thing, it tastes great. Green powders, usually not delicious. AG1 actually is an easy to drink and super delicious quick It's lifestyle friendly. So if you're committed to eating keto or vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you can still take part in AG1. It contains less than one gram of sugar, doesn't have any GMOs, no chemicals or artificial anything, while it still tastes, like I said, it tastes great. And here's the thing, if you just cut out your cold brew habit, you can afford AG1 with no problem and the benefits are going to far outweigh that caffeine kick you're always going to need. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Again, one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look after your health. So to make it easy, our friends at Athletic Greens are going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D 
and they're going to send you five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Ann. One of the big storylines from last night's Predators 4-3 loss in a shootout to the Vancouver Canucks was Luke Evangelista. We've hit it on this guy a couple of times before. Scored his first career NHL goal to make it 3-2. And then just for giggles, scored his second NHL <laughs> goal to make it 3-3. It was the Luke show. Come on. Uh, by the end of the game. And, and I think what impressed me most is these were both veteran NHL goals we saw. Yeah. Yes. And those were the goals that counted. I mean, that's not even the, the quality shots that he took. He had six shots on goal. Some of them were amazing. Look, the Predators, I will say, ran into a really hot young goaltender uh, last night who thwarted some right. really great attempts. He's a Latvian, so I have to give a little bit of a shout out because, you know, we love our Latvians here. But, you know, Luca Vangelista, he has not looked like an AHL player trying to figure out the NHL. This is only his fourth NHL game, and he looks like he belongs there. And like you said, these were high-quality plays. This is a kid who is keeping up with the pace, who is reading the game at an NHL level. He's going to have growing pains. David Poyle talked about it in his post-trade uh, deadline conference that he's like, I really want to get some meat on this boy's bones. <laughs> so if Just just know. send him those cookies, Anne. I was There's just going to say. There's a big shipment of cookies coming to Luke Evangelista's way. I can help with that. Just don't tell the team nutritionist what's in them. But we can be, we can beef up Luke Evangelista with no, no problem. But I love what we're seeing from this kid. I love it. And I wasn't, I'll be honest, I've been watching him in Milwaukee. He's done a fantastic job in Milwaukee. I wasn't sure what the transition to NHL play would look like for him. So pleasantly surprised at how it has really been, for the most part, seamless from the AHL to the NHL for him. What What about his game in the AHL? Weren't you completely sold on or thought maybe it wouldn't translate well to the NHL. It wasn't so much that I didn't love his game in the AHL. I just think that there really is no matter how you how good you are in the AHL, I think there is just such a growing pain between AHL and NHL. Like I think it's it's a little bit bigger leap like we always talk about the differences in hockey and football. Like it's a bigger chasm I think than like going from college to pro in football like there's just a little bit more pace there's a little bit more um read to the game and he looks great in the AHL but it's you still have to kind of say okay can he take that game and increase the speed which look this is this is a fast kid this is a kid with a great shot but for me, I was impressed with how seamlessly he reads the NHL game. Like he is picking up on, like you said, high quality NHL plays. And, and you can see sometimes the guys from the AHL almost like a beat behind as they adjust to seeing the game unfold. And I think Luke Evangelista, you just haven't seen him struggle with keeping up with what's next in the game before it happens. 
Yeah, uh, as Alex Doherty pointed out last night, Natural Statric has him at 1.51 individual expected goals over the last four games, which leads the Preds and also 10th in the NHL behind guys like McDavid, Stutzla, Jason Robertson. So just in his last four games, he is generating chances at the same rate of some of the best guys in the NHL. And I think that is a very good sign. You know, to me, that second goal, or the, the first goal he scored, which was the one that made it 3-2, second one for the Preds, uh, that was the one where you could just see, that's Hockey 101, driving the net, you know, getting to the front of the net, following up your own chance. You know, uh, you know he, he passed it off, then he just got to the front of the net, got the rebound, was in the right place. That's just basic, good hockey fundamental knowledge, something that I think, the Preds haven't really done a lot of this year. True. I mean, how many times have we said we want to see them just get the puck, push the net, just keep driving? Didn't feel like it happened this year. And then it's kind of same thing on the second one, just happened to be in a good spot to get that tip and knock it in. So those are two very good goals simply by being in the right space at the right time, which is a big critical skill that you have to have in the NHL. It's not just, you know, a rocket wrist shot or something like that. Right. You gotta be, you know, there's the goalies are good enough in the NHL where you just have to be in the right spot to score goals. Something that I think has kind of been a hindrance for the Nashville Predators this year. You know, the guy who shot the puck that Luke Evangelist had tipped in was Tyson Berry. I'm on. I need, we need to talk about this guy a little bit because when he came over in the Matthias Ekholm trade, everybody was kind of looking at that first round draft pick and, you know, some of the later round picks. Um, and, you know, so we we're kind of thinking, okay, this is like a, this is like a rebuild cell. Tyson Berry kind of seemed like a little bit of a throw in there. <laughs> this guy's yeah. impressed me. And I mean, this is a guy, he's a free agent next year. And depending on where the Preds are, maybe he's another trade piece. But at the same time, I, I watch his game. I'm like, this is somebody that I think can help the Predators win some games. Yeah, I I was like you. And look, still in mourning over Matias Ekholm. There's just some parts of your heart that will never heal. They'll scar over. But I'm open now to Tyson Berry. It's not his fault. Um, and I will agree with you. I like what we've seen from this guy. And here's the, one of the things that I like best about him is I love that he has some offense to his defensive game. I love, you know, you look at last night's game, you had Luke Evangelista had six shots on goal. Tyson Berry had five shots on net. And like you said, his shot was what Evangelista tipped in to tie this game late in the third. This is somebody that is in the mix in 200 feet of ice, also really responsible defenseman. And can we just talk for a minute about personality? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I hated about losing Matias Ekholm was like that veteran presence. You get that veteran experience in Tyson Berry, and then you get a little personality. So the Nashville Predators did like a little fun interview with him. And I'm here for a man who has a van named Pickle. I'm here yeah. for this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in his defense, naming the states around Tennessee is probably very difficult when you've been playing in a different country. So he also played like six years in Colorado. That's a very different part of the country as well. 
Grace and abundance, Nicholas. We have grace and abundance in geography. <laughs> but you learned something very important about geography today, Anne. Sort of. You, There's you learned, not going to be a test on it, right? You, you learned where Manitoba was. It's over there. Yeah. Do you, do you remember what two, what two provinces they're between? I said this. I told I you mean, five you seconds before we started filming. Okay. It was more than five seconds before we started filming. And I'm going to review for the test tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> All right, so stay tuned to Locked on Predators as we have our Canadian geography quiz. <laughs> uh, that's that's yeah, Predators might miss the playoffs, so we need some content, don't we? There you go. Uh, Nashville Predators up next. Arizona Coyotes on Thursday. Back to the college arena, folks. Uh, we'll see if the Predators can avenge some uh, embarrassing performances against the Yotes this season out there in Tempe, Arizona. And where can people find your work? You can find my work online at insidethepreds.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice. You can find me at ontheforecheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. Also be sure to follow the podcast LO underscore Predators. And please subscribe. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcasting platform, hitting that subscribe button really helps us out. Plus, you'll always be the first to know when we got fresh stuff out for you. That's going to do it on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Back tomorrow with a new episode. We'll see you then.